Welcome to Zen One Podcast, a place where we can feel a little bit more connected with one another. Hello, 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 hello. I hope everybody can see us, can hear us. Oh, wow, we've got a full room. That's amazing. Uh, so who, for everybody who is just joining in or dropping in into this live event, please go into the chat and say hello. Uh, just to make sure you can hear us. So I'm going to type hello to all. So I hope you guys can do the same thing. Um, again, just want to make sure that everybody can hear us. So um, just please jump in into the chat. Um, we'll do a quick sound check with team. You can see John is typing. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you all who just said that you can hear. Tim, welcome to the live event. Hi. Thank you so much. Wow. You, you and I got connected through an amazing person, Mary, who was one of the first live uh, webinar person uh, once this whole thing started. We invited her right away to talk about, um, I mean, to talk about what happened. So she was, she was just giving so much gold. And then when her and I connected and I said, I wish we could have somebody on the live event to talk about uh, just the details of HR, of management, unemployment, and all this thing that might happen because of this. She's like, I got the right person for you. And then she connected us and, and gratefully, and, and you decided to give us your time, and I'm, I'm super <clears throat> excited. So, Tim, welcome. Um, I can't wait for all the questions from the audience. Uh, I'm just super excited to have you. Great. Well, it's nice to be with you, and it's nice to be with all you all who are also on the call. Yeah, we've got a good, good group, so there will be some really good questions. So for everybody, um, the reason I wanted Tim to, take, um, to be on the, on the live event today is uh, just a quick bio. Tim is the president and the co-owner of Ben Erickson & Associates. So Ben Erickson & Associates is the leading authority in human resources and personnel management in the healthcare industry helping dentists successfully deal with ever-changing and complex labor laws, talking about a perfect timing. So uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. I think the, the format, we're going to slightly um, twist it, uh, right? So uh, Tim is going to start with a PowerPoint presentation, just briefly going over the main stuff. Uh, but the goal is, um, what I'm curious to know, even personally, is how the act that got passed last week will affect most of the dental offices. Right. Um, just working remotely in, in all just a little bit of those details, but Tim, it's all you, I would, I would, let's, let's just get started. Okay. Just a quick question. I don't know if you've got to switch something on your end to get my screen showing. If so, if you could do that, otherwise, um, I'll just start babbling away. Let's see. Open. Share, share screen. Uh, Tim, if you go to the button that says uh, switch to content. Yep. Then click on open share menu. And on the left, it should give you a button that says share screen. Okay, I just need a little help because I don't see the little menu you said you were you were talking about. Okay, <clears throat> you have the button that says open share menu. Nope. 
Okay. So what do you see when you click switch to content? I just get a little white screen that says shared items will be displayed here. Oh. I don't. Okay. Maybe I'm just the only one who can share. Well, if you can, maybe you can email me that file and I will start sharing it on your behalf if that's going to help or, or we can just get started. Yeah, let's Whichever is going to be easier for you. Let's just okay. get started. I'll just cook through it and we'll go from there. Cool. Okay. Love it. Mm -hmm. All right. So um, as Tiger said, we're just going to be ta talking about really sort of minding some of the HRPs and Qs as you navigate through this coronavirus uh, crisis that we're all dealing with. Now, the first thing that I'm going to spend a few minutes talking about is not the most recent bill that was signed, but the one that was signed about a week and a half ago. It's commonly referred to as the HR 6210, and it's also known as the Family's First Coronavirus Response Act. So first of all, know that it goes into effect tomorrow. It starts April 1st, and it expires December 31st. So this whole bill that was signed again about 10 days ago um, ends December 31st. There is also, though, even though it goes into effect officially tomorrow, there also is what is called a 30-day enforcement grace period. And so this is a period of time where the government has said, we're going to focus more on compliance, making sure everyone is complying with it and understands it, as opposed to coming out and like enforcing it. Now, this doesn't mean you get to ignore it. It doesn't mean that you sort of get a get out of jail free card. It means you're expected to understand it. You are expected to comply. Just know that they've softened a little bit for 30 days their enforcement with it. Mm -hmm. In terms of application, this is applicable to all employers who have less than 500 employees. Yes, the ADA has been lobbying for an exemption for dentists and for employers who have 50 employees or less. So far, there is no such exemption. <clears throat> yes, there is some wording in the law which says if complying this with, with this law would create <clears throat> a sufficient undue hardship such that you would either go out of business then they're saying an exemption could be granted. As of yet, they have not defined the process, the protocols, the criteria, or even the timeliness on granting those exemptions. So for right now, our recommendation is you can wish, you can hope, you can pray for an exemption, but one does not exist, and as of tomorrow, you need to be in compliance or clearly working on being in compliance. There are two major aspects of this new Coronavirus uh, Response Act, and one is a sick leave um, portion, and another is a family leave portion. There are some where they interact, but in general, you gotta think of them as two separate parts. Also, please understand that there are specific and strict and limited qualification criteria. So this sick leave portion, the family leave portion, it does not apply if you have the sniffles. It does not apply if you have a cold. 
It does not apply if you're not feeling well. It does not apply if you have some other kind of flu. It only require, uh, applies to very specific and, again, strict qualifying reasons that are related to coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Of these specific qualifying reasons, there are six that are outlined in this bill. The first three deal specifically with qualifications related to the employee, him or herself. And it's things like, are you subject to a federal, state, or local quarantine? Or has a healthcare provider advised you to self-quarantine? Or are you going to a doctor to seek diagnosis testing for coronavirus? Numbers four, five, and six on this qualifying reasons list deal primarily with when an employee might need to be taking care of someone who is subject to a quarantine or kids when the school or childcare facility is closed and so on. In terms of these six criteria, all six apply to the sick leave portion of it. The family leave portion only applies to reason number five on the list, and that is the one where an employee is needing to stay home to care for sons and daughters because schools or childcare facilities are closed. In terms of payment or compensation while an employee is on leave, if you qualify, under reasons one, two, and three, then the employee is to receive their normal pay up to a maximum of $511 per day. If the employee qualifies for four, five, and six under the sick leave portion, then they are to be compensated at two-thirds their normal wage up to a maximum of $200 a day. So there's a very a uh, unique distinction between these in terms of compensation while out on leave. Then the question becomes, well, how much leave time is someone eligible for? On the sick leave side, you can be eligible for up to 80 hours total sick leave time. That's if you're an employee who works 40 hours per week. If you don't work 40 hours per week working part-time, well, then that 80 hours is prorated based on the number of hours that you typically work. On the family leave side, you can be eligible for up to 12 weeks of family leave. That, again, is based on whether you work 40 hours or full-time as defined by the government. If you work less than 40 hours, then again, the amount of hours that you get in terms of family leave over that 12-week period of time is prorated. There are a couple of other nuances that are associated with the family leave. One of them is, while I said you can be eligible for up to 12 weeks, the first two weeks 
though you receive no pay at all under family leave. Mm -hmm. And then it's only the remaining up to 12 weeks that you would receive the compensation of two thirds of your wages or up to $200 a day. There is also some provisions in here where the job protection that typically is available to a person on family leave, there's some exemptions for that for employers who have 25 employees or less. So <clears throat> this isn't just a leave that says, oh, I get to go out and I'm absolutely guaranteed to have my job back because there are some exemptions there. In terms of some basic footnotes relative to the HR 6210 law. Which is that 401 Family First Act? Yes, exactly. Okay. <clears throat> then you cannot force someone to use any accrued or unused PTO time or vacation first. Number two, a person cannot use other leave that they may have available in your practice and be on sick leave at the same time. So basically, no double dipping. Mm -hmm. you, you can't also be on sick leave or family leave and receive unemployment benefits. Again, no double dipping. Mm -hmm. You can certainly use these two leaves concurrently because if you remember back to what I just said, with the family leave, the first two weeks are not paid. That's where the sick leave piece could be used. Again, it's up to 80 hours. So there could be some compensation in the first two weeks if the qualifying criteria is being met. If you're a practice, where you either provide or you receive medical insurance as part of a benefit of working there, then anytime you're out on any of this qualifying leave, your medical insurance is to be continued. A practice can't force an employee to find a replacement. A practice can't take adverse action against someone if indeed they qualify for this leave and uh, <clears throat> are taking it. There are some posting requirements. The government came out last Friday with the poster that all of you are supposed to have posted in your workplaces. I want to emphasize again that qualification applies to, again, these very specific six criteria. It does not apply for a lack of work. It does mm -hmm. not apply because there's, the practice is closed, whether that is mandated by the state, recommended by the ADA, or even there's an order in your city, community, or state about shelter in place. None of those apply, only the six criteria. I hope we're going to go over them, right? <laughs> I can go over them. That'd be awesome. Let's do it because I'm already confused. All right. So of the six, the first one is the employee is subject to a federal, state, or local quarantine. As of yet, there is no state, the federal government, or any local entity that has ordered a quarantine. Again, they've ordered shelter in place, they've ordered work at home, 
but these do not constitute a quarantine. Mm -hmm. Number two, if the employee is advised by a healthcare professional to self-quarantine. So in this case, the employee has been on a trip internationally or has otherwise been around people who have been diagnosed and confirmed to have COVID-19. If the healthcare provider has said, you must self-quarantine, well then a person can apply mm -hmm. or potentially be eligible. But it can't mm -hmm. be the person just saying, oh, I think I was exposed or, I just want to self-quarantine just to be safe. No, that's not going to qualify. It must be, have been advised by a healthcare provider. Number three, the person is experiencing, specifically experiencing symptoms of COVID-19 and is wanting to take time to go to the doctor to be diagnosed or to be tested. Mm -hmm. So those are the first three. Number four is the employee is caring for an individual who is subject to a federal, state, or local quarantine. Well, given that there are no federal, state, or local quarantines, then at least right now, this one's kind of moot. Mm -hmm. Number five, the employee is caring for sons or daughters if the school or child care facility is closed and child care is otherwise not available. And number six, number six, you'll all get a kick out of this because this is the way our government just creates these little catch-all categories. And number six, I'll just read the exact wording. Number six says, the employee is experiencing any other substantially similar condition specialized or specified by Health and Human Services in consultation with the Department of the Treasury and the Department of Labor. Now, what the heck that means, you and I, we don't have a clue. Okay, is that a number six that I can take and chill home? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, all right, this is interesting. So how would people know that number one is in, in, in appliance, like, when the government officially says that's it, quarantine, local, state, or the federal? Yes. But okay. it's, important, it's important to know that some people have thought that stay at home or shelter in place, uh, closing restaurants and bars may constitute that. But the reality is lack of work or closure of work whether it's ordered, mandated, or recommended, does not qualify as a quarantine. Mm -hmm. Okay, so from what we just covered, uh, let's just say I'm, I'm a dental assistant. Yes. And like with all what's going on, tomorrow's 4-1, it goes in effect. Um, obviously, there's no quarantine. What, are, like, what do I do? based on the six reasons, like how do we connect the two? Okay, <clears throat> the first question is, is your practice open or not? Mm -hmm. If the practice <clears throat> is not open, then none of this applies. Mm -hmm. If the practice is open and yet you are not working because 
your hours have been reduced to nothing or you're simply on call just in case there's an emergency, but you're otherwise not working, even though the practice may still be open for some types of care, then no, you're not eligible. So the only people who would be eligible are employees or dental assistants where the practice is still open, the practice is indeed seeing patients, you are coming in to work and assist with the providing of that care. And then you would qualify if and only if one of the six would turn out to be true for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. And realistically, right now, the only one that might apply would be that number five. If indeed you're staying home to take care of sons and daughters because schools or childcare facilities are closed, mm-hmm. then you would qualify for family leave. You got two weeks to go where you're not paid. And then you've got up to 10 weeks where you would receive some compensation based on the number of hours that you work and two thirds of your typical wages are up to $200 a day. Mm -hmm. I hope this is somehow some little way making some sense. Uh, I'm actually trying to break it out. Maybe, I don't know, to my team, if my team is listening, we'll be able to come up with some chart after this. And I don't know how relevant that's going to be, but we'll see. So technically... Let me just say, Tiger, mm -hmm. what I'll also do is when we're done, I will send you some basically some slides that have some of this on it. That'd be awesome. And then you can share it not only with your team, but you can share it with all of your members also. That's amazing. Yep. Thank you, Tim. And then you also mentioned the poster. So I think uh, if you have a link or something that we will ask you at the end, so everybody will be show notes at the end, but let's play out this, this example, if you don't mind. So the practice is open or not. If it's open and seeing emergency, yep. is that considered to be open? Yep. Okay. Then we look at the team members, including the doctor and everybody else. So if if somebody on the team and the practice is open qualifies for one of the reasons, which yep. is probably number five, and they have to, they will take two weeks no pay and then up to 12 weeks after that, two thirds of the pay. Yes. And just understand that, and you had the wording correctly, it was like up to the 12 weeks, because if schools reopen, if yep. childcare facilities reopen, and therefore the reason that this person is otherwise staying at home, if that reason goes away, well, then all bets are off. Okay. And Tim, I apologize for a dumb question, but who, like, they will apply it to sort of like a government support that the government will pay two thirds, right? The practice pays the money. The practice gets reimbursed for that when you go or the practice goes to make your federal deposit for your payroll taxes, you get to deduct that off of the tax deposit you would otherwise have to make. If it turns out that your payroll is not big enough to provide you with the complete reimbursement the government is going to have, they don't have it out yet is going to have a form that you will fill out and they're supposed to then send you a check to credit back. 
So the government has committed that they will pay for this. It's just that the practice has to, in a sense, front load it and pay for it and then get reimbursed by the government afterwards. Okay. So during this time, which is, I think is interesting. So during this time, the team members can't go on unemployment. So they're still technically employed. Uh, the, the practice is paying two thirds if they qualify for one of these reasons. Uh, the, but what, what's happened in the first two weeks when I uh, can't get paid for that reason number five? What, what are the options there? One of the options is it could be unemployment then because the employee is not otherwise getting any money. It could be that the practice or the employee has some accrued or unused vacation or PTO time that could be used during that time. Mm -hmm. So there are some potential ways of uh, an employee receiving some compensation during that first two week period. But it would have to be pursuing avenues like unemployment or accrued and unused PTO or vacation, things like that. And when you say unemployment, it's literally just for two weeks, because then after that, technically, the office is uh, paying you the two thirds. Correct. You don't get to do both. And mm -hmm. so at that point, realistically, I guess you could evaluate, am I getting more by being out on this leave, which again is capped at $200 a day or two thirds of your wages versus what I may otherwise get via unemployment. <clears throat> okay. And what's realistically you think the practice is uh, like from a business standpoint, we'll get that reimbursement. Is it going to be a quarterly? Like once, once it's all settled and down, the practice will have to start working with their accountants probably to file all this. And um, I'm sure there will be some forms that they will need to make sure they qualify for that reason number five. What's realistically, if their payroll is not enough to cover for that gap, how realistic that they're going to get reimbursed and how fast from the government? Like, what's your take on it? Yeah, great questions. And let me break it into two parts. So some part of this, you get reimbursed essentially immediately because it means that you're not having to otherwise make your federal deposit and every business makes a federal deposit and based on the size of your payroll it, you make it weekly you make it twice a month or you make it monthly so some amount of this is in a sense reimbursed by a credit by not having to make that portion of the federal deposit now, mm -hmm. to the second part of the question, when you said, okay, if I have to fill out this form and I send it in, realistically, how long it's going to take, man, at this point, I just go, your guess is as good as mine. Um, they, they don't even have the forms yet that you would fill out to submit for a rebate. Uh, the rebate is supposedly going to come from the IRS, and who knows exactly how long that's going to take and backlog. There is talk that they, their goal is to make sure that you have that in your hand within 30 days of submitting it. But uh, I clearly don't have any kind of guarantee on that. Okay. Um, I, I hope people jump in and start asking questions. So um, uh, to everybody, just go and chat. Oh, I see. I missed it totally. Uh, Joni sent a question saying, uh, we furloughed our employees last week. 
And it is my understanding that they would not be eligible for this paid leave benefit through the FFCRA, even if they are rehired to full-time classification starting tomorrow, April 1st. Can you confirm that information is accurate? Um, well, based, read it again on, if needed. Based, on, based on the way you read the question, my answer is that is not accurate. Now, let me just provide the clarification. So people were already laid off. They're not working as of April 1st. And so therefore, no one is eligible for this because no one is working for you as of April 1st. From the time you bring people back until December 31st of this year, then anyone working for you from the time you bring them back until December 31st would be eligible if they were to qualify. Um, yeah, she's saying we have skeleton crews working at this time. So basically they're just trimmed to the, to the bones at the moment. And, and whoever is currently working in the skeleton crew or the reduced hours, if they are working from April 1st, anytime till December 31st, they would potentially be eligible. Let me jump in here and just say that there's a whole lot of concern about this, obviously. And where I think more sort of energy needs to go is to this idea of what can we do to set ourselves up for a strong reopening? Because mm -hmm. we all know that there's going to be a reopening sometime. It may roll across the country in different you know, phases, depending upon the state and other sorts of regulations. But what can be done to support a really strong reopening? And you already mentioned in that one question, we were down to a skeleton crew. Well, with reduced hours or a skeleton crew, let, let's be calling people and rescheduling them so that when we do up, when we have a, a, a full schedule, what about getting on the phone and calling people who are past due for recall and getting them on the book so we've got a complete full hygiene schedule when we come back? What about using this time to do chart audits where we're gonna do a deep dive into the charts for people with diagnosed treatment that we haven't yet completed and maybe getting on the phone and calling these people and scheduling some of them or cleaning up some of the old insurance that's laying around, you know, an insurance form that got kicked back because someone mm -hmm. said something mm -hmm. that's missing and, and no one currently has the time to clean those up. This could also be a great time to clean out shelves and drawers and cabinets. And in your case, I mean, people Inventory. getting rid of expired stuff and making sure that they've mm -hmm. got their inventory of supplies to really support a strong opening or updating patient lists or deactivating patients who haven't been in the practice for the last seven years or 10 years. Heck, there are practices that are using this as an opportunity to paint and remodel or incorporate some new technology, or even taking advantage of some CE in this. So all of these things, and incorporating telework with people logging into the office's computer system from a home, et cetera, is all to support a strong reopening. So I, I, I fully support. I, I just probably would want to correct that it also depends on the state because I was on a call. I mean, we're in call with all, most of our offices. Sure. Some offices can't go back. 
So if you can't do as much as you can remotely, uh, but I 100% with you, Tim, on plan for the strong reopening. So it, it is 100%. Um, there's one question from uh, Dr. Hermanson. So he says, it seems like this is going to come into play more when everybody gets back to work, but before uh, COVID-19 completely disappears, right? Absolutely. Okay. So I guess while people are typing questions, I'm going to ask something that I'm trying to figure out for myself. So let's just say today is March 31st and I had a practice and I sent everybody home. I was afraid that I wouldn't be able to make the payroll. I had emergencies, but I kept one assistant and I kept one office manager, maybe. Right. So let's just play with that example. So now I hear you and I'm thinking, okay, I could have technically keep everyone on the payroll because most of my team members would qualify for number five. I mean, they got to take care of their kids. Sure. And whatever the situation might be at home, single parent, maybe not single parent, but they would need to take care of the kids. And so number five. So I could have kept them on the payroll starting for one. They could have gone home and we would pay them two thirds, which we would be able to collect from the government this year. Correct. Hopefully I have reserves to do that right. uh, in, in, in order to pay for it. And so if that's the case, what are my options now? Like today's 31st. Should I call them back and get them all back on the payroll or like how do I clean this up? Well, that's a great lead in to this whole idea of the new legislation that was signed just last Friday that's commonly referred to as the CARES Act. Because in the CARES Act, there are three sort of main provisions that I want to touch on that pertain to um, all of us and dental practices. One is the CARES Act has allocated about $10 billion for grants. Each grant can be up to $10,000 each. And so if you do the math and you divide a $10,000 grant into $10 billion, it means there are a million businesses that might get one of these grants. The grants are going to be awarded on a first-come, first-served basis. So the grant also, though, has to be done in conjunction with applying for one of the two loans that is also that are also being made available in this CARES Act. One of the loans is the Economic Injury Disaster Loan, and the other one is commonly referred to as the PPP loan, which is Paycheck Protection Program. So they're just two different loans that you can apply for. The theory of having the loans and then also having the grants is they hope that the grant money will be available quicker and sooner. The loan is going to take some time. You've got to apply for the loan and they're going to evaluate all of your financials and they're going to evaluate all of your supporting documentation. And then they decide, yes, you can get the loan or not. In theory, the grant money would be $10,000 that you might be able to get sooner, quicker, faster. Mm -hmm. Relative to the loans, there are also a few little caveats. The first one is there are, is condition or they, they define how big of a loan you can get. And they take your payroll and you are going to calculate and show them what your payroll runs 
on an average each month. The maximum amount that you can get for a loan is two and a half times whatever your monthly payroll is. Then they've got pieces in here that everyone's all excited about, which is loan forgiveness. And basically they're saying, if you use the money for the loan for payroll, meaning keeping people employed, then that part of the loan will be forgiven. You will not have to pay it back. Now, there's a couple of other uses of the money. They say if you're paying your rent or your lease, also if you're paying utilities, all they're really doing is saying, hey, we want to keep you open. We want to keep people employed. And so as long as you stay open, as long as you keep people employed, and that's what you use these loan monies for, then you will not have to pay back that loan. So that's pretty exciting stuff to go, woohoo, the government's going to give us a bunch of potentially free money. And now people are scrambling. They're going, oh my gosh, I laid all my people off. But now with one of these loans, it is conditioned upon me using this for payroll. And I basically don't have any payroll right now because I laid everyone off. And so should I bring everyone back? Well, there are conditions of the forgiveness that you have to bring back any reduction in workforce and you have to bring back the same or substantially the same size payroll, but you have up until June 30th to restore all that and still qualify for loan forgiveness. So I don't think it makes sense right now to go rushing out. We had, you know, there were people who were telling dentists two weeks ago, lay everyone off, lay everyone off, just mm -hmm. get rid of everyone because, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, April 1st is coming. And now with this new thing, they're all running around going, hire everyone back, hire everyone back. Oh my gosh, there's these loans. Well, I just think that's incredibly irresponsible. And besides, it's treating employees like crap. I mean, we're talking about people who are human beings. We're talking about people who need this income to live on. And yet we're just, oh, no, they don't really count. We, we just off them and all that. It, sorry, yeah. I went off on a little tirade. Yeah. None, none of my Zen offices are like that. So they're all amazing. <laughs> I'm being honest. So, like, yeah. yeah. Well, cool. Um, so I, I think, and, and I'm going to jump now to a slide that I have, which I, again, will be glad to uh, forward to you where you can get it back out. And, and basically, <clears throat> I want to talk just about sort of strategy stuff with this. Um, John and, and Joni, and then we'll quick. go back to the unemployment elements. Yeah, Tim, just very quick. John, yeah. Joni, I see your questions. We will come back to them. So we'll circle back to them. So just sure. keep posting and we'll definitely come back to it. And I do have a couple more questions too. Yes, Tim, sorry. Okay, so I think at this point, it, it makes sense to sort of analyze the pros and cons of grants and loans. There are going to be some hoops you're going to have to jump through. There's going to be some criteria that you have to meet. 
There's also the time involved on how long it's going to take to go through the application process. There's some strings obviously attached to it, like we said, what you can use it for and get the forgiveness versus not. And there's going to be some commitments and promises about maintaining certain levels of employment. And so you have to analyze the pros and cons and decide, okay, given timing and still the unknown about when you get to reopen. If you're in a state that has shut you down, then some of this may be moot because even if you had staff, you, you may not be able to qualify. So it's really about analyzing the pros and cons in conjunction with the staffing needs and then certainly working on and focusing on strategies that support this whole idea of a really strong opening when you come back. Mm -hmm. Let me touch real quickly on the unemployment element of this because it's kind of a controversial element. And then I'll kick it back to you, Tiger, and we'll just play with uh, questions and answers the, the whole rest of the time. Mm -hmm. from, a, from an unemployment standpoint, it's important to know that every state has unemployment. The benefits are intended to partially replace any monies you lose. Every state has their own formula for calculating how much unemployment someone gets. In general, regardless of the way they calculate it, most employees end up realizing about half of what they otherwise would make. Each state also puts caps on it, and there's typically a waiting period and a processing period. It's also important to know that Unemployment benefits are taxable. Some people are running around going, oh, this is horrible because they're getting all this money and it's not taxed. Totally not true. Unemployment monies are taxed. The controversial part of this thing is that in this new CARES Act, they have said that someone who is getting unemployment will get an additional $600 per week added to whatever the state calculates their benefits to be. And so if a state calculates your benefits to be, let's just say $300 a week, then they're gonna add an additional 600 and the person would then be making $900 a week on this unemployment. Well, it could turn out that $900 a week in unemployment might be a little bit more than what I was otherwise making. And so the controversial part of this is people are now saying, oh my gosh, this is horrible because it's almost like creating an incentive for people to stay on unemployment and not otherwise work. Well, just know there's some additional stuff that's been thrown in there that if you're able to work, if you're offered a job, you've got to take the work, you've got to take the job. If you don't, you risk losing all of your unemployment and so on. So it's not as straightforward as the sky is falling and everyone's now going to make $600 more and no one's ever going to want to work in a dental office again. That's just, again, a crazy emotional overreaction to all of mm -hmm. this. So I'm going to kick it back to you, Tiger. What about the $1,200 check? The $1,200 check is a check they're talking about writing to every adult 
And it doesn't matter about unemployment, doesn't matter about anything. If you are an adult and you paid your taxes last year, then they're going to just send you a check for 1200 bucks. And that's just your, yours to do with whatever you want. They're hoping you'll go out and spend it because if you go out and spend it, that's helping get the economy going and back on track. If you have kids, you would receive a check of $500 for each kid. Now, that being said, if you're an individual who makes more than $75,000 a year, then this 1200 steps down and it eventually phases out if you're a person who has high income. But otherwise, it's a one-time $1,200 check. If you're married, you file your taxes jointly, then there would be a check for $2,400. Again, if you have combined income of $150,000 or more, then that size of that check is going to wind down. Okay, so that's let's tackle this small issue first, and then we'll move on. So that $1,200 check, I think it's going to be interesting for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so let's just say I'm sitting right now looking at it. It's for anybody making less than 75K. Correct. How do people go about it? How do they apply? You don't. The government's just going to send it to you. Or automatic. You don't have to do anything. Automatic. They're just going to send it to you. It's based on the fact that you're a person who filed some taxes last year. And with the IRS, they have your name, they have your address, and they're going to cut you a check and send it to you. So that depends if you file 2018 taxes. That's how they know you're like a real official person. Okay. Yeah. What if people did not, I mean, I know it's probably a more legal question, but uh, uh, no, like accounting question. What if people did not file their taxes yet because there's an extension till June 30th, if I'm not mistaken? This was for 2018 taxes, not taxes. Oh, 19. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So that eliminates that question. So right. that people don't need to do anything. They'll get their checks. Correct. Have you heard like what the timelines are? What I are have talking? Okay. All right. So, well, that's a Christmas. Okay. So then let's, uh, let's jump into questions. Uh, oh, there's another question. What if the child was born in 2019? Do you still get the check or the, the government? No, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, we can check with accountants, but okay. So I do um, want to play out a scenario. Okay. Back to that example that we had. So if you guys don't mind for everybody, um, Team, I know we scheduled an hour. Would you be able to go a little bit more? Because yes. I think this is super important. Yep. So for everybody, just jump in, keep writing questions. I'll come back to it. I just have that example in my head that I want to play out with Tim and see if hopefully it will bring some value to people. So let's just say, back to that example, I'm a doctor, I'm a dentist, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good guy. I was just a little bit worried about what's going on. And, yep. and um, this whole thing went down, let's just say, March 16th. And I was trying to do my best. I was communicating with my team, but I just was afraid that I wasn't, I didn't know what to do. So I let everybody go. Sure. Right. I kept one assist. So now um, I have two things on my hand that I, I'm looking at from the government. So I have the, uh, what is that? The Family First Act. And I have the CARES Act. Yeah, and you actually have a third thing that has to be stirred in because you also have state and local mandates and orders about being open or being closed. 
Yeah, on top of it. Yep. Yeah. State, local mandates. Okay. So we have some states that severely affected. We have some states that just okay for now. We'll, we we're not here to talk about the clinical part. We just don't know, right? So right. let's just say I let everybody go. Now I'm looking at this Family First Act, and it says I have the team members and. And technically, if they would qualify for one of the six reasons, I could have them still on payroll. I, I can pay them out of my reserves, the two-thirds. Um, and then there was some question about that, too. I'll come back to it. But, uh, and then I can get the reimbursement from the government. When and how, we don't know. Like, that's more accounting question. That depends on how government will feel about it. Right. Um, but I let now everybody... We just, know, we just know that a portion of that you get back almost automatically because you don't have to make that as a federal deposit. But if there's more that has to come back, that's where, just like you said, that's where the unknown is. Mm -hmm. And most likely my accountant will know the details about this, right? Like mm -hmm. my CPA. Okay. So now, now I'm looking at the CARES Act and I'm thinking, okay, so 4-1 kicks in tomorrow, the CARES Act kicks in. Uh, what if I do bring all my team members today, which is the 31st, um, I will try to qualify for a $10,000 grant, which is probably for most offices, it's, it's not that much to be honest right. with you. Right. So like right. our payrolls are about 25, 30, $40,000 a month. Yeah. So that's probably not much, but still it helps. Then I have the loan process and I will probably work with my local bank to get the loan. Correct. Right. And that's going to be two and a half of the payroll. So if you would be me today, uh, I have two questions out of this. If I bring my team members back today and I say, guys, you know, whatever happened, happened. I want to get you back. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to bring you back. You probably will qualify for the first uh, family first. I'm sorry. I have a lot of notes. <laughs> family first act. <laughs> it's a lot of documents. Family first act. You probably will qualify for this um, thing where the number five will kick in. You can be working from home. I will give you some work and you will take care of your child and you'll be working, taking care of things that I need you, like insurance verifications and all that stuff and, and opening for the re-grand opening or how you called it. Right. I will take care of somehow the paid sick lift during those two weeks, but then we'll take care of the other two thirds. So we're just going to continue paying. Um, so in the meantime, I'm working on the loan. I have the payroll or I just let everybody sit on payroll. And, and I don't, I mean, unemployment, I'm sorry, unemployment. Right. 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 And then they just, but then I'm at the fear of losing the team members and I won't be able to get them back. Right. Is that, is that what goes through my mind as a dentist? Well, totally. And then I want to circle back to that additional part that you wrote down that I mentioned just a minute ago of state and local mandates or orders. If, if you, if your practice is in the state of Washington or the state of Michigan, they, they've shut you down. And so then, so you qualify for one. Pardon me. Or would you qualify then for the first? Uh... Well, I would just say when you were talking earlier, and you were saying, "Okay, now I'm down to do I keep people furloughed or laid off, and they get unemployment, or do I bring people back and work down the grant loan path?" Well, I think some of that is about can I even open or not. And, and if I can't open, 
then for me, that sort of shifts it back over to this idea of furlough, layover, layoff and unemployment, because I can't even be in business. I can't even be open. And for the loan forgiveness part, I need to restore my staffing levels and my wages by June 30th. So I've got a little bit of time here to do this evaluation process that you're really talking about and kind of weigh the pros and cons. Mm -hmm. But I have a little bit of time to kind of figure that out. It's not like I have to bring everyone back tomorrow to meet mm -hmm. the loan forgiveness provisions. In the meantime, what the team members should do. Well, if, if any team member has been furloughed or laid off and or had their hours reduced, by all means, I think a team member should go to unemployment. Uh, that, that's what unemployment is there for. And in the first Family First Act, the federal government sent billions of dollars to states to help shore that up and work. And then in the second one, they sent additional money to the system, plus this $600, I call it a $600 kicker. Mm -hmm. Now, if it turns out that people go to apply for unemployment and mandates or orders in my state lift, and we've called people and we've got people coming in and I can reopen in two weeks and no one ever in a sense ultimately gets any Unemployment, great, but why not at least preemptively have this available if it needs to be something to be taken advantage of? Okay. And, and still, the goal is to keep people employed, to bring people back as quickly and as soon as possible as I, as I can. Okay, so that means if I'm back to my example, I'm a dentist, so I let everybody uh, go except one or two people on the team that I still need for emergencies. Yep. So uh, those team members can essentially go in unemployment. Oh, sure. Or yeah. they should. Like we, we said, we should until we figure out what's the next step. Well, yeah. And it, when you go to apply for unemployment, when it comes to benefits, let's just use two words. There can be I'm eligible for full unemployment benefits or I'm eligible for partial benefits. And let's just take, for example, if I used to work full-time and now I'm only working half-time, well, when they calculate this, it just means that I'm going to receive partial benefits about half of what I would otherwise get. A lot of people have this thing that, oh, unemployment is all or nothing. No, it's not. You can get partial benefits if hours are reduced. Okay, got it. So then as a dentist, I still can work on my uh two and a half times the 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 the, the payroll calculation try to get calculate and try to get the loans sure and just know from a documentation standpoint and collecting this and this is where your banker and your accountant and financial advisor would come into play your records you've got to go back to february 15th and so you've got to be collecting some of this information and these numbers that you're going to need for submitting the loans. The only thing you can actually fill out anything for right now is a grant. Mm -hmm. The loan applications and documentation aren't even available yet to be filled out. Got it. The government okay. is scrambling. 
Okay, so well, understandably so, because there's a lot going on, I guess. So, all right, so let's jump into some questions. Um, I'm going to read them through. Uh, so, Joni asked, um, "Do you know? Do you know of a cap, uh, a dollar amount value cap for doctors and hygienists that would be reimbursed to us in the PPP program?" Just curious if there is a tier for this as we are on the state directive for ER care only, so our hygienists can work, can't work at this time, so that would be fair compensation for them at this time. Not sure I got all that. Um, in terms of capping relative to PPP, um, there is no cap on it. It's just that loan forgiveness starts to not apply if you make over seventy-five thousand for any amount, not not seventy, any amount over a hundred thousand dollars. So loan forgiveness goes away for anyone making for for the amount above a hundred thousand dollars. Mm -hmm. Okay, Joni. Hopefully that answers your question. If not, just type it in. I'll I'll keep asking uh, while Tim is. He's still alive with us here <laughs> before he says, I'm done with you guys. Okay, uh, let me get to John, uh, Dr. Hemmonson. So I'm inviting staff to work as needed as I come up with different rainy day projects, as you described. Yep. So some employees hours vary from day to day as the need uh, presents. Sure. Sounds like they could conceivably qualify if criteria one, two, three, four, five, or six applies. But... How would you calculate the number of hours of sick leave they would be entitled to? Would it be their normal number of hours prior to COVID-19 or their reduced irregular hours that they've been getting since? Got you it. said, uh, and I can stop or I can keep going with a continue with the question. No, I got it. And it's a great question. And the answer is you go back to the schedule they had before the reduction. Okay. That's exactly what the law says. It, it, when calculating it, you look at their schedule before the reduction. Okay. One more part of it is you said that unemployment benefits are taxed. Does that mean that taxes are being withheld or will the employee be hit with a big tax bill at the end of the year at the tax time? Well, that's a great question. Yeah. And it's my understanding that they actually hold taxes out. So when they distribute the, uh, the unemployment benefits, the check, they already withhold the tax. Yes. Your picture froze. Tiger, come back, come back. I'll look at the little questions here and see if there's something. So Joni Porter, so our doctor's not eligible for any replacement to the employer if they make over 100K a year, or can I pay them a fair compensation up to 100,000 during this time? Um, if you're talking about loan forgiveness, it's just that any amounts over $100,000 is not eligible for forgiveness. So if you ended up having like an associate, and let's just say you paid the associate $150,000 for a year, then 100,000 of that would be applicable or applied to loan forgiveness, but the 50,000, the part above 100,000, is not eligible for loan forgiveness. 
Uh, Wendy, if you haven't filed taxes for 2019, they if you have filed for 2019, uh, they will use your income for 2019. Well, there we go. There's a clarification there. Hi, Tiger. Welcome back. I just need to take a sip of water. <laughs> I guess everybody in my neighborhood watching Netflix. So. <laughs> oh, there's some good questions. Well, so, we did. so our yeah, doctor so, not eligible. Uh, that question, can we look at it? Which one? Uh, so our doctor's not eligible for any repayment to the employer if they make over 100K annually, or can I pay them a fair yeah. compensation up to 100K? I answered, I answered that one while you were uh, getting your drink of water. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, guys. Uh, let's keep, not, let's yeah, Erna just made a comment. She said, what an excellent time to do inventory. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Uh, yeah, we got one more from John. Thank you for those answers to my previous questions. One more question for you. You said that the grant was the only thing we can apply for yet. Is that the EIDL 10K grant? I yes. saw suggest that you apply for a loan, EIDL loan, then roll it over into SB7. Wow, there's a lot of terminology. I've applied to EDL, but nothing more I can do yet. Yes, that's absolutely correct. The only thing you can apply for right now is the EIDL. Yes, it gets tagged with or rolled over into the SBA, and just know you'll have to recomplete some paperwork. But yeah, that's exactly right until they complete the process of getting all this information out to banks. We were on a webinar yesterday that had bankers and the bankers were saying, we haven't even gotten the parameters yet, the forms or anything else. So there's just continues to be a whole lot of scrambling going on, but yes, absolutely correct. The EIDL is the only thing you can apply for right now. Okay, and EIDL, uh, would you be able to include in the link? Is that a disaster relief program? Yes, exactly. EIDL stands for Economic Injury Disaster Loan. And I believe that's available through SBA, right, currently? Um, well, not technically through SBA, through the federal government, but it will be linked to your SBA loan, yes. Okay, so um, my team make a note. Let's make sure to include that in the questions for Tim. So if you have the link, if you can share it with us, how people can do it, that I think that would be fantastic. Yeah. Okay, awesome. All right, so if you're like me right now, sitting with three pages of documents, totally overloaded. Uh, I'm also a business owner, so I'm looking at it very excited, and I know that Dennis are very excited. Uh, but I also work for the teams. I work for my team. I work for teams out there. What like, where would you start where people can go for help? Like, where can they get this information uh, in, the, in the sense that how you can break it down or you just broke it down? Like, where, where people go for this? Well, I think sources just like you are a great source because you reach out to people to try to get the information to them. So sources like this, um, obviously, they're going to have to pay attention to state and local and community orders and mandates on terms of what they can do and they can't do. You, you do a lot of plotting, planning, and strategizing about reopening. And then otherwise, it's just paying attention to as things shift 
with respect to now all of a sudden we can apply for these loans. And in our case, we certainly work to keep all of our clients aware. And as soon as posters come out or as soon as something's available, we're notifying them. Uh, I will include a link also with the information I send you guys, which is a link to our website where we've got a specific page that is all just coronavirus-related Q&A and, and FAQs so that anyone can access that. And we are constantly changing and updating that to make sure that it is reflecting the most current information. Okay. And I think, Tim, uh, we probably will get you back, if you don't mind, uh, maybe one more time, a couple times, uh, once this things roll off, maybe... Sure. You know, once we're done sitting on our rear ends in the middle of April and we can't do anything else. So, uh, by the way, another question that I have. So, if um, again, back to my example, I'm a dentist and I'm reevaluating these things, but I want to keep my team busy. Like, I have things that I need to do. I need to prepare for reopening, for that major reopening. If my team goes and files for unemployment, can I still give them assignments? Um. <clears throat> yes, you can still give them assignments, and it just means that every week, when you're on unemployment, every week you're supposed to check in with the unemployment agency, and they're going to ask you questions like, you know, did you get a job? Did you look for a job? Did you work last week? And if they say, yes, I worked last week, they're going to say, how many hours did you work or how much pay did you get? And then they may adjust the weekly benefit that the person receives as a result. Now, if the person lies to unemployment saying, no, I didn't work and they really did work. Just know that they're basically committing fraud. And somewhere along the line, when taxes get filed and W-2s get produced and all that, they're going to probably get found out. And I would, I would think all of us should avoid that. Mm -hmm. So, but if I, if, if, if my hypothetically, I'm that dentist, uh, not that, but I'm just saying for my example, I'm the dentist and I and I sent the team, but I still want the team to be involved and keep working on SOPs and things like that. They can tell the unemployment agent and say, yeah, we do still work. They still get the benefit. They still get that $600 check, but maybe not 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 the whole thing, right? Correct. Exactly. Okay, okay cool. So that was uh, what I was worried about for yeah. uh, uh, the team members out there. So keep working, keep working on the inventory. I'm going to keep pushing that information. Is that somewhere available on your site, that, that specific thing, that, that during the unemployment, they can still uh, be productive with the office? Yeah. Like a little yeah. bit? Cool. All right. Uh, we need that. Okay. So last, I think, uh, Paula said, uh, we furloughed and told to apply for unemployment. Now with stimulus bill, the dentist can get a loan for paying employees. Is one better for the employee versus employer? Not, not necessarily. Um, now, that being said, this $600 kicker might actually make it be a little more economically advantageous for the employee. Again, we don't know how states may kind of mitigate that. And the loan forgiveness, I mean, if, it's, if it proves to be what it's sort of all cracked up to be, which means if I get this money and if I follow the rules and I use it for payroll and rent and utilities, then I don't have to pay it back. Well, then it is kind of like getting free money. And, and that's a pretty cool thing. And it's just the government's way 
of A, trying to get the economy back going again faster and encouraging employers to work faster at bringing people back to work and restoring staffing levels and wages. Uh, that's a good point. And then Paula also asked, do you think uh, once it's all said and done, I think we're looking at a little bit of the future, but employer gets a rate increase for employee using unemployment, correct? Or do you think they will, during this time specifically, they, may, they will reevaluate that? Yeah, obviously, I can't give a guarantee on that. I would be really surprised if they messed with people's rates as a result of your unemployment experience during this time. That that would just... Yeah, that's my feeling too. I mean, they just spent $2 trillion and now they're going to increase the unemployment rate like that. I think that's a little... Uh, that doesn't parallel in my head, but we never know. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. yeah. Okay, cool. Any other right. questions? Anybody? I think that was awesome. That was super, super instrumental. So uh, if anybody has additional questions, uh, Tim, I, I can't thank you enough. This clarified a lot of things. Um, my number one thing was worried. I was worried about, of course, for the dental practices closing. Sure. looks like there are options. Like, looks like we're not going to just hang dry with uh, no financial support. Um, uh, but I was equally, if not more, worried for the team members, what they're going to do. And looks like there are options. Yeah. And I think what what I'm excited about most, I would say all offices on Zen, I wouldn't be afraid to say that all the team members that are sitting home right now, they're they're just passionate to get back to doing something. And I think that's where the worry was, if they're, if they are unemployed, would they be able to work? Wouldn't they be able to do some things like while they're working remotely and things like that? Right. Uh, any any last things like precautionary, like from your experience and in, in all these things that we talked about today, like what what to do and not to do for people to not to get in trouble? No, I think we covered it really well. Now, obviously, uh, I'm in the HR side of all of this. And so if if you've been a practice or with your doctors or for those of you that are the doctors, if you felt kind of whipsawed in this. And some of that's because you have an outdated, outmoded uh, policy manual or employee handbook, or you don't even have one. Well, by all means, use this as a little whack on the side of the head to say, maybe we need to clarify our policies and our benefits so that when this kind of thing, heaven forbid, ever comes up again, we're in a better position to know the answers and be able to move forward through it with confidence and proactively, as opposed to feeling on the whip end of it all. So that, yeah. Um, Start saving money, build up yeah, our, build a up account reserved, <laughs> and exactly. the account. But otherwise, I, I think we covered most of it today. This was great. Right. Yeah, I really appreciate it. So, Tim, we'll get you back at some point. I I really appreciate your time. Um, this was this was more than I personally expected. So, thank you so much. Uh, you're very welcome. Till next time. Thank you, time. Tim. Yeah, thank you. Uh huh.